0: hello and welcome to the split real podcast i'm steve packnigan joining me as always he is the rock the hard place like a wind from gelderland he sweeps blown far from his homeland in search of glory and honor we walk in the garden of his turbulence it's gabe
1: acevedo i can't follow that that's just too cool and that's a too cool intro for me it's, it, it it just is I, was, I am looking for honor someday i'll go. find it
0: someday we'll find it. we'll see hey it. man how's it going it's going well. I can't complain. It's uh, it's a bit rainy here, but you know we had a nice couple weekdays days over the weekend, and it's 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 going quite well. Just churning it out, getting getting some pods done, and enjoying it. How about you?
1: All good. Just trying to get work done for my own stuff, and resting, and sleeping, and playing video games. A lot of Pokemon Snap over the weekend, so that was fun. Oh,
0: yeah, I just got a, I just got a new game, too, on my Xbox. I just got this, like, downhill mountain biking game. It's, like, super basic, but I've been pretty addicted to it. It's really stupid, but kind of fun. So I've been playing that a lot.
1: <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I've been taking pictures of Pokemon the entire weekend. <laughs> Let's talk about basic.
0: Hey, I love Pokemon. We, we've played Pokemon Snap quite a lot. I mean, I remember when a couple of years ago, you, you brought Pokemon Snap over with the Nintendo 64, and we convinced Kayla to try it out, and it was like it was, it was a hot mess to play. In.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. When you get a chance to get it, she'll love it. You'll love it. You'll love it because I mean, I mean you love photography. You, you, hmm. you teach photography and stuff like that there. It's very 21st century. So you'll very 2021, there are features. You can play with the pictures. You can just Photoshop the hell out of the pictures. So you'll have a lot of fun with the, um with the pics. And you're very, Type A when it comes to pictures. So oh, yeah. you'll enjoy the challenge of the game. I'm like, mm-hmm. I need to center this Pokemon. I need the background. I need the light. <laughs> I need another Pokemon to look good. So you'll definitely have fun with the game.
0: Now, does it have, does it skew more heavily towards the original 150 or the extra however many who cares about Pokemon?
1: Um, so far, I would say 50 50. You get a, you've got, I've gotten a bunch of the original 150 and a bunch of Generation 2 and on. So, so far it's 50-50. And they keep appearing after every, after you go up a, um, a level in each stage, just more Pokemon keep showing up. But I would okay. say 50-50 so far. So okay, good.
0: I didn't know. Because I mean, I don't, I honestly cannot care less about any Pokemon over 152.
1: That's fair. There Maybe. are some, um, I stopped after Gen Five, i think <laughs> there gen were five. some God. yeah i saw some and i'm like that are gen six, six seven and eight and i'm like who are these pokemon There's so there's been like five that i'm like is this a pokemon and i have to look it up but apparently it is so i'm like cool yeah so yeah you have eight generations of pokemon so far yeah almost 800 pokemon <laughs> it's insane
0: that is that's too much too much
1: but it's good it's good so it's good at some point get it you'll have
0: fun I'll have to check that out. I know they finally updated Mario Party, so maybe we can play that again at some point. (laughs) Anyway, uh, that they're not people. I don't think people are logging on to hear us talk about Pokemon Snap or video games. Uh, That was last week when we talked about video game movies and such. Um, One thing, though, that I saw this week in our quick headline snapshot here something that came out today actually, we're recording this on Monday. And what dropped earlier today was the Marvel Phase 4 launch. And basically this was a, a trailer. That's not just a trailer that shows you like the release dates of their movies that are coming up or the, the names of the movies that are coming up as well. Cause they were did some releases of the names and the dates of a lot of these movies, but it also is a hype to get you back in the, tra- get you back in the theaters. That's one thing I thought was really great about this trailer. It was really a, a theater hype that had all the trailers. And I, I, I loved it. I absolutely, it's about three and a half minutes long and we got our first glimpses into the Eternals. We had another shot from Shang-Chi um, and I, I I loved it because it wasn't just that, but really the, the beginning, the first half is all about where we've been. Mm-hmm. The fact that we created this, they've created this huge universe and we've been able to be a part of it. And it was really exciting to, to watch that trailer. What did you think of the trailer?
1: I loved it. I loved it. Um, The first half, I'm like, okay, this is a recap of Marvel. But as soon as they used the clip from opening night from Endgame, and you heard people scream... In that movie, I'm like, yes, goosebumps all over. And then we went into phase four. We got more scenes from Shang-Chi. We got finally some scenes and clips of the Eternals. And we got all the names and release dates of what's coming for phase four. So I was like, I am here for all of this. And it was just a great hype. And I actually think a lot of movie studios should be doing that. With their upcoming slates for 2021 and 2022. Get the hype going to get us back in the movie theaters. That is a very good idea.
0: Well that's one of the things we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Uh do you remember I, I said when we got the, the Warner Brothers dump and the HBO Max dump for mm-hmm. the whole thing? I'm like, this is what people need to do. We it got us really hyped up and got us really excited for everything. And I think this is exactly what Marvel did. They they dumped this out on us. And I mean, you know, getting through the first part, I it was really awesome because they had they had this Stan Lee did the um did the the voiceover for the first part, Mm -hmm. you know, posthumously, obviously he, he he passed away a couple years ago, but it was a really cool thing because it talks about going into a theater. And I don't even know if he's talking about actually going into a theater in it, like if he was when he was recording it, but talks about the experience of going into a theater and like being in the dark next to people who you just share this experience with. And, and that's really what the theater is all about. You know, it was really awesome because talking about in how you the person next to you you don't know them but they're they're your brother in this or they're Mm -hmm. that person could be your sister and it was a really cool thing because they also intercut it with clips from the the movies like our whole history of movies that we've had so far so that was really exciting and then again like you said when they showed that clip from opening night of Endgame and the the ending there oof i i got i was hit with all the emotions came back to me from that time and it was just an absolutely incredible night and there's really, you couldn't have gotten that at home. That experience nope. would never have gotten to you at home.
1: Nope, not at all perfection. And speaking about Stan Lee, I think he'll be in like half of these movies because I think he had re- he had done like 15 cameos uh, for movies, um, for the Marvel movies before he passed away. So we might see him a few more times. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it's it was a good idea. It was a great, great um, spot for Marvel to release. We finally got the names of a couple of the sequels that are coming out um we got the release dates, so i'm excited i am excited and like you said and i'll say it again studios should be doing this for the releases that they have at the end of 2021 Mm -hmm. and for movies in 2022 i think it's i think it's the perfect time to start hyping up people to go back to the movies especially in the fall maybe not so much in the summer but in the fall and winter i think it's time for studios to get us back in the game
0: Oh for sure. I think it's I think we had a couple of those. I mean, like we said last week, uh Fast 5 did the same the Fast Fast 9 did the same thing with Vin Diesel saying going back to the theaters is really important. So, we have that. People are really pushing to get back to the theaters. They want that they want those theater dollars for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, they do. We'll see, but think, it was but, but it's good. I'm excited for Marvel. I'm excited for Phase 4.
0: I think these movies all just to give you a rundown of all the movies if you haven't seen this trailer, check it out. But if you have if you want a list. We have Black Widows coming out on July 9th, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings on September 23rd, The Eternals, which is directed by Academy Award winner Chloe Zhao. That comes out November 5th. Spider-Man No Way Home, December 17th. Thor Love and Thunder, May 6th. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, March 25th of 2022. Uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. That comes out July 8th. The Marvels comes out November 11th. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumanium, that comes out February 17th of 2023. And then the last one we had a date for was uh Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, which is May 5th of 2023. The other movie that they did tease right at the end there, what they didn't have a release date or anything, was Fantastic Four. So we yes. are getting we are getting the Fantastic Four movie that they were hyping. So we're gonna be getting that too.
1: Yeah, I think but- this will be um all of these movies will be leading to phase five, which I think we'll start with Fantastic Four in like two or three years, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we get there.
0: Yeah, we'll see what ends up happening because I feel like throughout this this entire this series, uh, this phase, we're going to get more TV shows as well because we already have Loki, Miss Marvel coming out too. We ha- I'm sure there'll be more that'll come along the lines that we don't know about yet. We might get the introduction of the X-Men at some point. So... I'm sure a lot of that's going to come into the fold soon.
1: It's a good time. It's a good time to be a Marvel fan and apparently a good time to be a movie fan. So listeners go back to the movies whenever you feel safe and you're vaccinated because we need the theaters.
0: I'm, I'm excited for it. Speaking of movies, we'll be talking about an old movie that is one of our super rewatchable movies that uh, we're going to be chatting about in a minute. But first, we're going to take a quick break. So today we're going to be talking about a classic movie here. By classic, I mean came out 20 years ago, which by our standards now is becoming classic. It came out May 11th of 2001, and we're talking about A Knight's Tale today. Are you excited about this?
1: I'm excited because it was basically a fresh watch for me. I hadn't seen it in over 15 years. So let's talk about Heath Ledger. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so in order to keep to get this discussion a little bit more well-rounded, we decided to bring in a guest, a special guest again today. We're bringing back Kayla to the podcast. So welcome, Kayla.
2: Hi. I'm so happy to be here and really excited to talk about this movie. I'm so
1: happy that you're back. Yay.
0: <laughs> so the funny thing for the listeners at home, they don't realize that um, we're actually sitting directly across from each other, like very close together on the floor, and it makes it for a very awkward recording session, but... We're gonna make it work, and it's gonna be really good. I think it's worth it. You gotta adapt. We gotta adapt, people. I see she's got tons more notes than I have already, so it's all good. <laughs>
1: wait a minute, Ka- wait a minute. Kayla has more notes than you do.
0: To be no. Fair, I put, to be fair, I put together the entire outline, so I'll go. I'll go with that. I'll take the credit for putting <laughs> together the outline, which I think has a lot of notes on it already. But she has a lot of more additional notes than what I put down. <laughs> I
2: like to be prepared for all things. And that's, and
0: that's why she's on the pod today.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. Let's do this.
0: So for those of you that have never seen a night's tale, first of all, I don't know what you're doing. You should have seen this because it's been on. If you remember back to the days of cable, it's been on cable and it still is on cable all the time. That's one of the things about this movie that makes it so rewatchable. It's probably why I've seen it so many times now because it's just, is constantly on TV. So the movie's about a peasant-born William Thatcher, played by Heath Ledger, who begins a quest to change his quote-unquote stars, win the heart of an exceedingly fair maiden, but and rock the medieval world. With the help of his friends, Mark Adany, Paul Bettany, and Alan Tudyk, he faces the ultimate test of medieval gallantry, tournament jousting, and tries to discover if he has the metal to become a legend. That's pretty much what it says on Ron Tomatoes. Basically, steals the identity of his dead knight, jousts and tries to become successful. So, I mean, I've seen this movie quite a lot. I've seen it all the way back to the very beginning of uh, high school. I remember seeing this when I was in high school, this came out in 2001. I'm interested. What's, what's your guys' story on, on seeing it? Gabe, what's your first experience with this movie?
1: Um, I saw it in the movie theaters the first time when it came out in 2001, I was what in seventh or eighth grade, I think. Um, I, I think I told you, I was just fascinated. I'm not pretending to know about medieval history a lot, um, but I w- I've always been fascinated with like medieval and like night movies and TV shows. And I also love the sh- swashbuckling kind of genre. So I used to watch a lot of these movies uh, and it was Heath Ledger. I had just seen a couple of years before it's 10 Things I Hate About You. So he was an up and coming star. I believe this was his first starring role, like the movie centered around him. Um So I I remember seeing it, you know, in seventh or eighth grade, and it was great. And then I saw it again in high school a couple years later, 2004 or five. That was the last time I saw it until yesterday when I saw it again. So it's a different, a way different perspective. um, And we'll get into that later. But that was the first time I, I saw the movie and I hadn't seen it in 16 years until last night.
0: Okay, how about you? When was the first time you saw this?
2: So in thinking about it, I'm pretty sure that the first time that I ever saw it was one of those like Friday night sleepover parties with your closest girlfriends and we had gone to the video store to rent it and obviously who, what teenage girl wasn't going to rent a movie with Heath Ledger in it. Um, but then, of, of course, a couple of years later, it was every British literature teacher's dream to be able to connect what a lot of students viewed as boring material to a really popular movie. Um, so, again, saw it at probably at a sleepover. And then again, 11th grade, Brit Lit, Mrs. Shriver insisted that we all go home and watch this movie. <laughs>
0: I think think that's exactly what I saw too. I saw it when I was a senior in high school and I took British lit and they did the Canterbury Tales and they're like, this is the Canterbury Tales. It's like, not at all, but just because it's like loosely, loosely, loosely based on the Knight's Tale by Geoffrey Chaucer. It, they said like, oh, yeah, that's any excuse to pretty much show a movie in, in, in class was usually what we ended up having. When you're a, when you're a teacher, you find, oh, there's a Hollywood film that can kind of loosely talk about it. Yes, let's spend a couple of days watching this. Yeah, perfect. I think that's exactly what they decided to go with in this. And it does take medieval. It does make you a little more excited about medieval literature, something that isn't the most exciting, I think.
2: For most people.
0: Yeah, for most people. I know you're saying that with this day, but most people would agree that medieval literature is not very exciting. <laughs> but that's really it. I think I was in, you know, Mr. Blair's class, and we watched this movie, and it was really enjoyable. They were really excited because it's a good movie and they get to show it, and it was really fun. So before we go any further with this, though, I, I want to talk about the the one main thing in this movie, which is the Heath Ledger of it all. So this is like you said, Gabe, this is Heath Ledger's first starring role. I mean, he's been in two movies before this really, that had a a really big presence in 10 Things I Hate About You. And then he had a big performance in The Patriot. And actually his, his performance in The Patriot gave the director the idea to cast him in this role and have him as the lead in this movie. So with that though, Heath Ledger goes on and stars in this and is incredible in this movie he's really really stunning and then goes on to have this pretty amazing career that is unfortunately cut very very short uh and he's he uh accidentally overdoses at the age of 28 and dies it's it's really really early and man the, the career that he had though is just absolutely incredible i just wanted to get your guys thoughts on that
1: uh, you know, watching every time I watch uh, um, a Heath Ledger film, mainly 10 Things I Hate About You and The Dark Knight. Um, I always wonder what could have been, you know, he he had 50 more years of career that he could have given us with, with performances. And you see his movies and he's so good. He's so good. He's so talented. He's definitely a leading man. And he's also such a good independent actor in independent films. Um, Obviously. You know, for me, what Brokeback Mountain and Dark Knight are for me his best films, and you know we'll always wonder what could have been, what could have been, because he's he was such a great, great talent that unfortunately he passed away way too early.
2: Yeah, I think I think I agree with you. I mean, it's reasonable to say that his untimely death definitely catapulted him into film history, and. Mm-hmm. But in reality, I look back at these films that he did and arguably he really only did five great films. Mm -hmm. You know, he kicks things off with 10 Things I Hate About You, then The Patriot, then A Knight's Tale, has a bunch of movies that didn't take off or at least didn't stay in our memory in, you know, these past 15 years, 20 years, then broke back, threw him into the spotlight again with a phenomenal, memorable performance. Then The Dark Knight, which everyone has seen. And then he dies. And I mm-hmm. wonder, you know, I think you're right. We should have had at least 50 more years with him, but it's incredible that with five films, he's able to stay so relevant and so powerful as an actor. Yep.
0: I mean, I think it also helps that he's very good-looking. There's no denying that he is a, a very good-looking man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so he was able to pull off a huge range in performances as well. I mean, he does 10 Things I Hate About You, but he also has uh, examples, and, like, he's Casanova. I mean, what a what a performance there, and, and just being able to play that character is pretty great. Um, he also... Have you guys seen The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus? I yep. tried. I enjoyed it quite a lot. I thought it was really unique. And especially the the fact that they finished it with three other actors who filled in for the rest of it. I I like, I like that movie. It's, it's not the most enjoyable, but it is a really interesting, you could see the range that he had as an actor in terms of some of the the strangeness of the roles he would take on. It is really interesting the take that he had on that though.
1: It's an interesting movie. (laughs) I agree with you on that. It's very interesting.
0: I mean, One of the things that's interesting too about him as an actor is by the age of 28, he had two Oscar noms. He's the one of the youngest people to be nominated for an Academy award in the lead actor category, which he was nominated for Brokeback Mountain as a lead.
1: Yeah. He was 24 when he got that nomination, I believe.
0: And then he was nominated for best supporting actor uh, for the dark Knight*, And he won that obviously posthumously, but you know, Absolutely incredible. And I think all of that is well-deserved too. There's no one, no one's been like, well, he only Mm -hmm. won that because he passed away. No, he was incredible in The Dark Knight. That was an absolutely incredible performance. Um, One of the other things too, I was looking at and doing the research is he was just at the, towards the end of his life, he was getting into directing. He was directing a bunch of music videos and he actually had a plan to direct his first feature, which was going to be an adaptation of The Queen's Gambit. He actually signed on to do an adaptation of The Queen's Gambit with Elliot Page, who was going to be in the, the lead character, and he was going to play another a, a supporting character in that movie, but he was going to direct that movie. So oh, it's, a, wow. it's amazing to see like, and he was going to do that at 28. So like, it's amazing to see where his career could have gone. I mean, mm-hmm. he just started getting into some of his most interesting work, and it, it would have been incredible to see where he goes from there
2: and i i really enjoyed the queen's gambit the mini series that we got it was it was fantastic it was but so that good. just leaves me wondering
0: what could have been that
2: film could have been, could have been
1: yeah and, and and you know and going back to what i said earlier that he i think yeah we'll always wonder because he's so good in mainstream you know we have the patriot we have a Night still we have the dark knight of course you know these are huge mainstream pop culture Movies, But then you have him in something like Brokeback Mountain and I'm Not There, which are these small, independent, um, critically acclaimed movies. Um, So he has been he was able to do both, like the big mainstream, the small performances. And it's very rare that you have an actor that can play both and play them well. You usually have like your big stars and you have your independent stars. And he's one that was in both worlds. And I really, really will always say what could have been.
0: Now, a good question is like, what could have been? Because the funny thing about this movie is the rest of the cast, there's a lot of what could have been or what happened to the rest of the cast because I was going through the list of all the people in this movie and apart from some small, small exceptions, most everybody else has had pretty much nothing careers after this. I would say there's uh, like... Just just to give you some of the the different people who are so Shannon Sossaman, Mark Addy, Paul Bettany, Alan Tudyk, Rufus Sewell. These are the supporting actors in this. Now, of all of these, the most, the only one that's I think a a household name, the only one would be Paul Bettany, and that's basically because he played Vision. Uh, Now, I think to be fair, to be fair to Paul Bettany, I think he has done some other things that have been really big, but. I think that is the only one today that is a, a true household name. You look at him, you go, I know who that is because he's in a Marvel movie. None of these other people have been in Marvel movies before. So you you kind of miss that aspect of it. Now, I'm not saying all of them are useless, but I think there's, there's some interesting things. So do you guys wanna talk about a, a few of the people there?
2: I definitely need to bring attention to Alan Tudyk because thank even you. Though- Thank you, thank <laughs> you. See his face all the time the voice work that he has done especially for disney and pixar movies has just like this guy is raking in the cash he's doing just fine being these cartoon characters yep
1: thank oh. you I, I i was just gonna say that i'm like, like alan Tudyk, the is- duke of
2: weselton I think he did the voice of hey hey like come on we need to throw some respect to Alan Tudyk yeah
1: I was gonna say that about Alan Tudyk I was gonna say that a lot of these people are very fandom niche people for Mm -hmm. example you have um Alan Tudyk obviously he does a lot of of voice work you have Paul Bettany Marvel you have King Robert Baratheon (laughs) In this yep. movie, so you know it's a that, that's a, and I think he's the perfect example of when I say very niche. Because if you're a huge Game of Thrones fans, you know that this is King Robert Baratheon from the season from, from the first season of Game of Thrones, um, and Fred Flintstone because he played Fred Flintstone in the sequel, which is bad, but he played oh. Fred Flintstone in Viva Las Vegas. Um, but they're very niche people. I do understand when you say they they didn't make it quote unquote big in the sense that they're not household names. But yeah. I do think that they made it big when it came to the niches that they're in and they represent or well, they kind of that's work exactly that they
0: what they do. I mean, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's kind of interesting. Like even like someone like Shannon Sossaman, the next movie that she's in is 40 days and 40 nights, which was, I think, a hit at that time. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy that movie. But then after that, she just has a hiatus and then she stars as the the cheating girlfriend in the holiday and then just kind of falls into some tv shows and and then not really much of the mainstream and then you have like rufus sewell who is you know i think he's really terrific as the bad guy in everything that he it is every movie he's i've ever seen him in everything i've seen i've seen him in has been like the bad guy like you I mean in mm-hmm. the holiday he's just a horrible person in that movie as uh Jasper, just like I mean, Jasper alone is just just a kind of mean name. (laughs) So I'm sorry for those that are named Jasper that listen to this, but it's kind of it could be a sort of evil name. (laughs) Um and then he plays the villain in the legend of Zorro, and then he's a Nazi in The Man in the High Castle. So yeah, I mean he's just playing these and I know you haven't seen it, but he's also
1: a bad guy in the Marvelous Mrs. Mazel in season. (laughs) There you
0: go.
2: (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna throw it in there. He played a very sympathetic character in Tristan and Isolde with James Franco. Oh wow,
1: that movie. Remember that?
2: No. Wow.
0: Yeah, I, I don't really remember that.
2: Romantic really much. period dramas from the early 2000s. I've got that I did see, it. I, on I did see it. I'm not going to
0: I saw it, but I don't remember it much.
1: <laughs> That's Kayla's genre. <laughs> interestingly Interestingly though,
0: there is one other character in this who is nominated for an Academy, for an Academy
1: Award. Award for the artist Yep. Yeah.
0: Which was like the hilarious thing.
1: Very big
0: Yeah. She was nominated for. Academy.
2: She <laughs> yeah. was. Oh my God. That's.
0: Yeah. You remember that movie that nobody's talked about since it won the Academy Award for best picture.
1: Yep. I'll def- yeah, would- yeah. Nobody it, has talked about it. That's true. I like it. it, it but immediately forgot like,
0: about. Yeah. Everybody saw it was like, oh yeah, let's move on and never talk about that again. Mm-hmm.
1: Which happened a lot to a lot of the winners of this decade. But that's another podcast, another conversation. <laughs>
0: Oh, one last thing for um, Alan Tudyk. I apologize. He he is also Steve the pirate from Dodgeball. <laughs> just had to give him a little. Just give a little. Uh, Steve the pirate out there.
2: <laughs> oh Lord, I can't forget about him there.
0: So, moving on. This movie is uh, it's such a great movie. We we are such a big fan of this movie. And one of the things I think is really important about it that makes it that sets it apart is the fact that it strives to be something more than just a medieval rom-com because it could easily have just been a simple rom-com movie, but I think it strives to be something more than that. Do you guys think it's successful in trying to be more than that? I'm, I'm just curious, like because I think it definitely sets out to be more and I think it's successful, but I'm interested in what you think. What do you think, guy?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think that it has mass appeal. It crosses genres. It is not just a rom-com. So it goes across genres. It has very attractive stars, which pulls in a lot of different people. Um, The soundtrack stands the test of time. Um, And it has has a really clear story that I think could translate to any context, any time period. Um, You know, going, trying to buck the rich off of the, you know, squashing the poor. That is just a universal story that anybody can really connect with. So yeah, I think that it, it's a great film.
0: What do you have?
1: I think it's a movie that if it, if it were released today, it would be even a bigger success in the movie theaters. I think to some degree, it was a little ahead of its time with how it wanted to mix genres. Um, very 2000, it, you know, it's 2001. It was experimenting with anachronists, the themes, and the music and stuff like that. I think that movie today would be even a bigger hit. I think it's very successful in giving us a non-traditional rom-com and spawning out to other stuff with the music, with the comedy, with the dramatic elements. Obviously, the the story with the dad, that scene got me last night. Um, So I do think it is very successful. And I will say that I do think it was ahead of its time. Nowadays, when we see these movies that just mix a lot of genres in them and are successful, this is a very early blueprint of what we tend to see nowadays. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it works. It works really well. And it hasn't aged badly. When it comes mm-hmm. to dealing with um, a new perspective and giving us something different, it's aged very well.
0: I think one of the things that has been uh, a big supporter of this is the fact that it, the writing is so good. I think it is very well written. I think the story has a lot of interesting perspective. Um, and I think that comes from the writer of the of the movie. It is written by Brian Hel- uh, Helgeland, who also wrote and he, he he's written a lot of different movies, including L.A. Confidential, which he won the Academy Award for for best screenplay. So when you have that sort of caliber on there it does make a big difference i mean it's funny because i think his next movie after this is man on fire which is a very different movie from this movie. (laughs) but again very well written and i think that's one of the things that sets this apart is it does have it's a well well written rom-com something that we don't have all that often you get a lot of rom-coms that can be pretty good but this one just takes it to a separate level because it talks more than just the romance of it. Yes, the romance does play front and center throughout a lot of it, but I think it does lean on a lot of really good acting by Heath Ledger, who I think is is just really stunning in this. And you also have a lot more British actors who have a lot more classical training. So I think that really helps it out as well. I mean, there's a lot of poetry in this and you would never think that a movie with this much poetry could be this successful. Mm-hmm. And I think only through... Heath Ledger and Paul Bettany could you really get those performances because the, the least poetic person in this entire thing and the worst written character would be Shannon Sossaman's character mm-hmm. she's not a very good character her, her speeches are bad her writing is not that great she's not that terrific of an actress so that's the, really the weakest but it's funny that you get a movie with so much po- poetry that makes that works so well as a mainstream film
2: yeah, I agree with you. I think for me, what stands out, rewatching it now in my 30s, I haven't seen it for a while. Paul Bettany's dialogue and his one-liners, you miss that when like mm-hmm. as a teenager, you know, like what Steve was saying, it was on cable all the time. And if it was on, I was probably watching it, but I didn't catch all of those things. But now as an adult, it's even better better honestly but I also agree I Jocelyn as the female lead poorly written and I don't know if that's just the way women were written in early 2000s film or if he was trying to stay true to the way women of some means would have been what their life would have been like in medieval times but yeah for me the role of women in this film (laughs) didn't age well but the rest of it outweighs that.
1: Yeah, I agree. And watching Paul Bettany in Marvel, and he started from being a voiceover character to what we get in WandaVision. You go back and see his movies from the 2000s. For example, I remember seeing Wimbledon when you guys once. And I'm like, oh, wait, that's Paul Bettany. At that moment, I had no idea who he was. And now I know who he is because of Marvel. And he's so good in this movie. He is such an underrated actor. He is really good. And I think he's he stands out. I think the casting, like you said, Steve, the casting in this movie is really well. I think they really good. They work really well together. And I think people like Keith Ledger, Paul Bettany, and Tudyk at that moment are giving us the best they are. They're taking all their arsenal, being their comedic selves, being creating great chemistry. Um, and it just works. It works, and it gives us a very good movie.
2: I think we also need to remember that this was the same year that A Beautiful Mind came out. So Paul Bettany, between these two movies, really, for me, just solidified him. And then shortly after that, he does Master and Commander, which has a soft spot in Steve's Oh my heart. God, I love that movie. <laughs> that movie. That
0: movie's incredible. If you haven't seen Master and Commander recently, watch it again. It's incredible. I love that movie.
2: And then after that, he does Wimbledon, which... He's just so charming in that. And he goes on to have a slew of really great films. So 2001 was a big year for Paul Bettany.
0: So my next question with this movie is, is it a sports movie? And then my follow-up is, why is the answer yes?
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah. I'll start with this one. I'll start with this one because this is fun. You guys know me very well. And you know, I am the authority out of uh, in sports out of the three of us. Uh, Completely. Completely true. Exactly. Thank you very much. I mean, I, I taught you about football. Come on, guys. Oh, yeah.
0: But, you yeah. Know. You've taught us all about football. Exactly. Exactly. All five downs. Thank
1: God exactly. we have you. Exactly. Come on. Like in football, I told you that you hit home runs in football. Like, come on, people. <laughs> uh, there you go. <laughs> listen, um, is it a sports movie? I mean, j- sure they're playing jousts, and yeah of course it is yeah it is you know it, it all centers about the tournament around the tournament and he wanting to win this tournament wanting wanting to be a knight and we all know that knights in that era you know these those were the sports of that era and obviously there's many more layers to that and honor and stuff but is it a sports movie yes yeah it is you know as the authority again in sports it is a sports movie
2: so as a big fan of sports movies. <laughs> I agree. This is absolutely a sports movie. And here's why you have a very clearly defined athletic event. Mm -hmm. You have rich assholes trying to gatekeep a sport that they think they invented. You have clear winners and losers. There is a high stakes glory and money. those things are yours to lose. And then at the end, the star athlete gets the girl. So yeah, it checks all the sports movie boxes.
0: Well, I mean, there's other sports movies boxes that I think you're missing that it also checks. What? It has a training montage. Yeah. You know, it has yeah. a training, a training <laughs> montage with a playing in the background. I mean, yep. you've got that. You've got awesome sports moments. There's no doubt. Uh, slow motion repeats of the exact same thing that happened a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. You've got that. From
2: multiple angles.
0: You have uh, someone exploiting a loophole in the rules so that they can compete in something right and take advantage and and be there there you go um you have different other sports scenes that it just intercuts with you have also the soundtrack of a sports film so i mean right there you've got all of it you've got everything you want you've also got the under it's a complete underdog story it's the true underdog story of someone who is not even allowed to compete in the sport who ends up coming into the sport and dominating it that's exactly what sports movies are all about it, there's all of these different things. The, the rival start right at the last minute when everything's going so well, the rival comes in and undercuts it through some sort of cheating sort of method to, to get his way. That's exactly what sports movies are all about. And joust is definitely a sport. It's an extreme sport for mm. sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Are you kidding me? I cannot imagine what modern day athletes jousting would look like. I, it's just, it's ridiculous.
2: I feel like it's going to be a bunch of lion men.
0: Well, linebackers nope it's linebackers they, they have to ride horses
2: they could do it you could do train you, them
0: do you think that they would still wear metal
2: fuck no, no. come on
0: I don't think so what if you had to put them in metal they had to wear metal to stay true
2: you know, there's an entire material sciences department here that they're gonna create. No, no, no. no. I'm saying say, there's there's the,
0: there's the rules where they have to be metal in order to, right. to do it. I
2: said they're gonna create a new alloy that is going to be unbreakable. Isn't Kevlar some sort of metal? I don't know. You just get
0: vibranium.
1: Energy. That's it. Vibranium. Oh. Uh, there you
0: go. Now you're just now you're just going in with the made-up metals here. So.
1: Exactly. Of course. You got it's a metal. You didn't say it had to be a real metal, it's a metal. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's a movie, so
0: you know yeah then we can just get unobtadium as well you know if we bring that into the, the fold here <laughs> God, you kids in your medals so <laughs> we were talking about this earlier but like there's there's a whole thing about like what's aged with this movie because it's some of the stuff works today if we were we're talking about remaking it a little bit now what works today and what doesn't work today like if we were to really re-release, re-release this today what would work what wouldn't work really what do you guys have for that
2: so for me, the timeline is a mess. They tell you right off the bat about what time it's supposed to take place. And throughout the film, they reference different events that happened in real life, but a quick Wikipedia search or anyone who has any f- familiarization with history or literature will know that this timeline is just a disaster. And with our easy access to the internet and how everybody googles everything about anything you'll know that the timeline is a mess so for me that is that's the one of the most irritating things but i have others but gabe what do you think
1: um my number one would be the women and you brought an interesting point that i actually had um written here um i think it's a combination of both when you mentioned how women were written in the early 2000s especially in the genre of rom-coms and how women were depicted or women, you know, historically were treated or portrayed in that era. So I think it's mm-hmm. a mixture of both. I think you would have to write the women better. Um, especially nowadays, you see rom-coms having, taking a turn towards, you know, empowering women and not just objectifying them like they used to. Um, I, I noticed that, you know, when it comes to historical inaccuracies, I, I, I'm with you and I get it. And I understand what you're saying. I don't hate it as much for this film or for this genre of movies because this is not pretending to be, I don't know, this is not pretending to be Amadeus or The English mm-hmm. Patient mm-hmm. Um, or even Shakespeare in Love. You know, this this is a rom-com who's playing around. And I think when you do the these type of movies, I think you can get away with playing around with historical inaccuracies because they are not the center of of the movie or they're, they're, they don't revolve around the main characters. They're there to just maybe place you in the setting. And I'm let's be honest, not not everybody's well-versed that in 14, I don't know what, this happened versus this happened in the 1500s and we're just mixing them together in the same movie. Um, so I don't hate it as much because this is not pretending to be a period drama. So I don't, but but I do agree with you. Like you know, it is there are inconsistencies and inaccuracies that you can just with a quick Google search, especially nowadays, you can find them. Um, but I don't mind it. But definitely, the women are my number one, and I'm with you. They had to be. They definitely have to be rewritten if the movie were to be released nowadays.
2: And I completely agree with you. And that was the second thing that I had was just the representation. You know, if this movie were to be made in 2021. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for more inclusivity and more representation, and I think that's probably one of the things Steve was going to say.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it's a very white movie. <laughs> there are, there are, there are the blackest character in this is the Black Knight, the Black Prince, rather. That's who it is. It's the Black Prince, but he's not black. <laughs> he's just a white guy who's named the Black Prince.
1: I mean, it's a very that's the 2000s. That's, that's
0: that's what it is. I mean, that's that's one of the things that I think is aged a little poorly. Uh, you know, so I think that's kind of interesting. Now the historical inaccuracies are definitely kind of noticeable sometimes, you know, referencing things that haven't happened before, but that's, that's kind of an interesting thing that they do in this. I mean, it's kind of interesting to think about the world and that they're building here because technically the song we will rock you does exist in this movie. So, cause they're singing it, not just because of the clapping, the clapping I can get past, but there is a, a shot where the guard is singing, we will rock you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so that, that just means that queen exists somewhere in this world. <laughs> and I don't know where they are. And it's just <laughs> kind of funny to think that there is a, a band called queen and they're making these songs that play at jousting tournaments all across Europe.
2: So this was going to be a question that I had for you guys, right? So this film came out in 2001 And the majority of the music that they include in the soundtrack is from anywhere from like 1969 to 1980, right? Not including the cover of We Are the Champions with Robbie Williams and Mm -hmm. Queen, which came out specifically for this movie. But if we were to do it today and we're following that same formula, then the music should be from the 90s.
0: Oh, that's pretty funny.
2: <laughs> right? Well,
0: I think what's interesting is a lot of the movie, they they tried to capture this idea of like stadium stuff and like stadium rock. Mm-hmm. So that's what some of this is. It's just all stadium rock. And they wanted to bring that to this movie to make sure that people got the idea of what fans felt like. That's what the director wanted.
2: And so that solidifies it as yeah. a sports movie
0: that's another thing yeah i mean definitely that i said that before the soundtrack for Mm -hmm. sure now you guys mentioned that the the women are written poorly i think it's predominantly just the the one if you if you ask me i think jocelyn is not a good character i don't think kate who's the blacksmith i don't think she's written incredibly poorly i think she's actually written pretty well i like her i Mm -hmm. mean jocelyn is i don't know if it's necessarily that she's really written poorly but i think it is beyond just Some of it, I think she's just not acted well. I don't think she's a very good actress. So I think that's where that kind of falls flat. There are some other plot holes that I have found in this movie that I think have aged a little bit. (laughs) Uh, The number one is the fact that, you know, Oryk von Liechtenstein is supposed to be some sort of Germanic.
2: So I looked it up. Gelderland was a real place.
0: I know it was. A Mm. real region. I, I know it was. I thought it was made up. No, it's a real place. Definitely a real place. That was actually going to be one of my questions later on, but you know, of course, you looked it up.
1: There's this is one. <laughs> Are you surprised? Are you not surprised? At
0: not at all. But Gelderland, yes, is a real place, and it's it's like a formerly Germanic uh, place. Uh, in well, now it is a real place in in the Netherlands. But um, yeah, he's supposed to be Germanic, and he's just speaking with perfect English in this movie. So, like, do people not notice? That there's a British guy pretending to be a German, running around playing <laughs> this guy who's he definitely does not sound like an Urlich von Lichtenstein. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> also, one of the other funny things I was when looking at it is, you know, it, the guy he's been working with, Sir Ector, right? He's this famous knight who's been going around for about ten years jousting in tournaments, right? I'm I'm, I'm correct with that, right? You guys have seen this. He's been in a bunch of them before, and he dies, and William just takes his armor And then continues to joust around With the same armor Do you not think people would notice? (laughs) He's wearing the exact same armor As the other guy Now each of these knights You can see You recognize them by their armor Because Mm. it's very iconic He has the shield He has all of this stuff that's going on It's the exact same armor And he just ends up But it's a different person Does he just like Steal his identity And like nobody notices All these other knights Don't really notice
2: Yeah I definitely did not think about that at all. Me also, either. If we're going with these sports analogies, it'd be like somebody decided to just replace Tom Brady and put on his uniform and play. Which I'm—that might actually have happened. How is it still that, as that, good? That
0: could be. That could
1: be. <laughs> he's a super soldier. He took the serum. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's
0: it's just a bizarre thing. I mean, you know, you have well, the funny thing is you have uh, Chaucer going around telling all the everybody about all the things that he's done and like you look at him okay he's ledger in this movie and i guess the character he's 21 he's Mm -hmm. 21 how has he done all of this stuff he went over to the the holy land sat in silence for a year in greece like what are you doing no he didn't he didn't do any of that stuff you know so like the royals and all like i mean certainly the peasants might not know because they just met this guy but all this royalty all these other knights they probably know they probably have met him before haven't seen him around before so he's just lying and like that's kind of just a funny little way to look at it
2: well and it seems like the count adamar is the only one who has a problem with it everybody else really like yeah whatever why not yeah And how do we know that this isn't like a rampant scandal on the circuit
1: (laughs) maybe there's somebody writing a newsletter like bridgerton (laughs) about (laughs) it
0: (laughs) i mean i think it's it is kind of funny too i mean it seems like it's pretty easy to just fake patents of nobility I mean literally just Chaucer just does it on a whim. He mm-hmm. just decides to write it's it like and then
2: a, on his list of services that he provides.
0: Just yeah, on this random list of services that he provides. And one of the is fake patents of nobility. Why wouldn't anybody do that and just travel all over the place? Of oh, the world. I yep. mean
2: fake COVID cards. They're a thing. There you go. Easy enough.
0: Fun times. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's the same thing though. <laughs> that has nothing to do with this. Anything else that's aged badly or aged really well for you guys?
1: Uh, I mean, what I said before. I think the music works. I think the mix of genres works really well, and it's something that we're seeing nowadays with movies. So this is definitely one of the first ones, um, at least in the two thousands, that we're watching. And I'm like, oh, they tried something new and it worked.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. That's what that was my number one thing that held up was this classic rock genre being featured in a medieval movie. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, I think the other thing that's interesting is it keeps going. I I think it's a period comedy, which is actually something that has aged kind of well. It's worked really well for this. I mean, we've had some other comedies in the past that have not worked within this genre within like the, the comedy, the period comedies. But I think that's reemerging nowadays. I mean, you know, with the success of something like Bridgerton or, some of these other shows that have come out, I think there's been a reemergence of period pieces that are have that work and are just kind of funny. So I think that's something that has really aged really nice. I think it's come back around for that. Now, looking at some of these other characters, you know, we have the side characters here uh, in Roland, Jocelyn, even uh, Chaucer, Watt, all of these different characters. Kate, you know, all a bunch of different side characters, and I was curious. With with all these different interesting things, which which character would you be? Which one do you think you'd be closest to?
1: Fun question. <laughs> I don't. <ugh.
0: laughs> so for me, I if I had to pick one of them, if I had to say a character I am closest to, I would probably say Roland. Mainly because what I would do, what I would do is I would let you guys fight because this is what basically happens in it. You guys would argue over everything else, and then I would just kind of settle it in the end, let you guys fight, continue to fight, and then make the decision. This seems like what happened pre- previously when we would argue about food and where to eat. Yeah. You guys had arguments over it and then it'd be like, fine, we're just going to go get pizza.
2: Yeah, I know. I agree. I think that's a good fit. I mean, I find you to be incredibly steadfast and kind of like The Rock, right? Like we just think about the three of us together in yep. our dynamic, like Steve holds it all together and ultimately he's the one... <laughs> Who tends to like sway decisions.
1: I always say this here. Steve is the one that pulls us in. Because Kayla, when you and I decide to go full out in our tangent, we go full out. And Steve's like, no, bring it back to reality. This is not what's going to happen.
2: Yeah. So if we're thinking about who we are within the dynamics of our relationship together as a threesome, then I guess, does that leave me as what?
0: I can see that. You just being quick to punch me in the face. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Like quick to get angry. Very let's think about it, right? Like our first interaction with him is very much focused on where's my next meal coming from? Mm -hmm. And we need to freaking do this tournament so I can eat.
0: Oh, that's definitely you then. So then that's absolutely me. I'm driven by
2: where's my next meal coming from? Yep. Yeah. Okay. I'm hot.
0: You're what? Then it leaves. What's what's Gabe then in this?
1: I have no idea. You guys have to figure me this this out because I have no idea where I fall. Is he Count Adamar? (laughs) I was actually thinking that was the one I was gravitating
2: towards. I mean, he is a Slytherin, and I Adamar would for sure be a Slytherin, so maybe.
1: So it could be. Um, I don't know. I'm thinking Chaucer.
2: hmm. I'm leaning more towards Chaucer. Right, able to create like a very great story, pull people in. Get the, get the audience going. I could see that. I don't know. What do you think, Steve? Talk his
0: way out of a corner. I could see yeah. that. Yeah, I could, yeah,
2: that's fair. <laughs> not with, like without the gambling problem.
0: <laughs> I, I hopefully, never, hopefully, have, hopefully, there's not a gambling problem that we don't know about.
2: I definitely don't have one of those.
0: <laughs> okay, that's good.
2: We'll
1: find out <laughs> in a month. <laughs> you guys go I'm to the next. park and I'll go to a casino. <laughs> yeah, Shaw, sure, So I can see that. Okay, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that.
0: So, so speaking of gambling, though, we're going to play a game. Because mm-hmm. why not? We're going to play the Did This Happen game. We played this when we did our rewatchable, our uh, retro review of um, of Happy Gilmore, but it was only Gabe and I. So now it's going to be between Kayla and Gabe. You guys are going to play. Are we keeping score? Sure, we can keep score. All right, I'm in. <laughs> you, want, you want to write it down? Here. Here's Ben. You write it down. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> Full disclosure, Kayla already cheated. So I, did, I it's was not she reading already, it. She already I didn't cheat.
2: Oh because I did research. Yeah,
0: she did research. I had it. Okay,
2: time. well, you it's So she already
0: cheated. Year. So, uh, <laughs> The first question was where is Gelderland? But she already looked it up. I, and I already told you guys. It's in the Netherlands. So.
2: Yeah, I would have gotten it right.
0: Congratulations. Next question was Rulik von Lichtenstein a real person? No.
2: I'm saying yes.
0: The answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> he was actually a.
2: Lichtenstein's a real place. Lichtenstein is a real place, mm-hmm.
0: yes. But that that's not necessarily. He's, he's not from Lichtenstein. He's from Austria. Uh, he's a real knight from Austria who actually is the person who apparently wrote the rules of chivalry. So he's the guy who wrote down all the rules and guidelines for being chivalrous. So
2: interesting. Good for him. Saddest legacy did not live on.
0: Well, it, it did for a little while, I guess. He was, <laughs> yeah, he died in 1275, I believe.
2: Dang. All right.
0: Um, true or false? Paul Bettany got laryngitis from yelling too much in this movie. True. True. Yes, that is true. Definitely got laryngitis.
2: Hmm. All right, so it's a draw. Neither of us gets points.
0: True <laughs> or false? Paul Bettany used the body double for the nude scenes.
2: False.
0: True. It is false. Paul, Paul Bettany's gotten naked a bunch of times. In this is he, just, he, he just keeps getting naked in movies. <laughs> I mean, he, you see his butt in this movie. I think you see it in... Uh, in
2: Wimbledon. In
0: Wimbledon. You see it, I think, in the Da Vinci Code or Angels and Demons, one of them. You see it there. The Da Vinci uh, Code. Yeah. There, yep. there is actually, there is a funny uh, news story because I, I actually had to look this up because I was going to look up how many times you can see his butt, but it's a really difficult thing to look up on the internet. Uh, and I wouldn't suggest looking up Paul Bettany's butt on the internet. But I did. I googled it for you all. And what came up is there was actually a, like a, a funny news story that came up recently where in WandaVision he apparently wears a prosthetic butt for one of the, one of the segments in the 1950s. <laughs> Vision is wearing a prosthetic butt to have a better butt in one of the scenes. <laughs> so he <laughs> does wear a fake butt for part of it.
1: Well, there's our new piece of trivia for this week. There we go.
0: Next one. Ridley Scott was originally attached to direct this in the early pre-production but left and made Gladiator instead
2: I I was originally going to say there's no way because he did Gladiator but now that you've given the rationale
0: this is pre-production early early pre-production
2: it would be a totally different movie if it was a Ridley Scott I'm going to say no because yeah
1: I'm going to say false too
0: yeah it's false I made it
1: okay
2: sweet yeah
0: uh, this next one doesn't count because Kayla already looked it up, but I thought it was interesting. The the lances were designed to explode. This actually isn't a true or false. I'm just going to tell you, but the lances were designed to explode because they were made of like balsa wood and dried pasta, so, linguini
2: to be yes, specific. That, linguini. Yeah,
0: they were made of linguini so that like when they collided, they would just explode.
1: Would have, oh, cool.
0: Um, next one, we just keep going with all the the Paul Bettany Chaucer things. In real life, Chaucer. And the prince of the black prince of whatever it is of Wales were actually connected in real life. Uh,
2: So the black prince of Wales died fairly young. He died before his father. Can you give me a true or
0: false, please? We don't have this isn't a false for our podcast. Mm, I'm going to say true. It is true. Mm. Chaucer's wife is the sister of Edward's brother's wife
2: nice
0: so it's gotten connected through marriage connected through marriage yes oh
2: interesting uh
0: next one the maker's marks on the armor made by kate are actually nike swooshes that needed to get permission from the company in order to release them
2: knowing nike hell yeah true and they're like upside down and backwards Mm -hmm. so maybe that's the way no i bet they did nike would sue the crap out of them
0: that's true
1: true yay
0: And the uh, creator of Nike is Phil Knight. So that was kind of also just kind of interesting that it kind of (laughs) comes back around. Uh, Some of the extras in the stadium scenes were actually homeless people from Prague.
2: Oh, that would be nice. I want that to be true. True?
0: It's true. They did shoot this. If you don't know, they did shoot this in uh, Czechia. So that's why it is shot there, which is interesting. Uh let's what's next. Uh the Pope at the time when this actually would have come out. So if it's thought to be around the 70 the 1370s, the Pope was actually Italian, not French.
2: Mm, yes.
0: True. That's false.
2: Oh, <gasps> really?
0: The Pope was if it was done pre-19 or 1378, he was French. Hmm. Which it's it's stated to be pre nineteen seventy. Or eighteen, thir- sorry, 1378. It's somewhere in the 70s, but before that, yeah, this was the last, it was the last uh French pope hmm. at the time, I guess. Uh, there was a controversy when this movie came out because there was a release by Newsweek that revealed that fake reviews were put on, to the, on online in order to promote the movie. Is that true or false? I
2: feel like that was true, Ooh. yeah,
0: yes. It is true. There was a fake report uh, put out on the, in the Ridgefield Press by a guy named David Manning, who is not a real reviewer, not a real person. He
1: I just made a fake review. I kind of right? remember this about right? a fake, yeah. re- like a crackdown on a fake reviewer.
0: Yeah, yeah. So our last one is about a real reviewer, Roger Ebert. Let's see. Did he give this three out of four stars, saying, "I laughed, I smiled, in fact, all all the way through a night's tale."
2: No, I find him to be sure a very false. miserable human, so I feel like he wouldn't have enjoyed this. I think he
1: did. I think this is the kind of comedy that he used to like.
0: Huh. That is true. He Shut did up. give it three out of four stars. Okay. Also, his review states, there are a lot of babes in jousting land. Ew. Just to throw that out there. <laughs> so what's our final score there?
2: Um, I I won by two. <laughs>
0: Makes sense. Okay. Congrats. <laughs> that was fun. You got to make your comeback on the next time we do one of these. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I will.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, Gabe. Yeah, Gabe. Gabe was the one that lost. You won. Sorry, I
2: wanted
0: a bigger. <laughs> <lead>. <laughs> you wanted a bigger lead. Oh my God, she's ruthless. She wins. She's like, no, it's not enough. I need to dehorse him. That's what she needs. She wanted to get knock you off your horse, Steve. knock the helmet off, steal your horse, and then leave you out of town.
1: No, 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 Steve. Tell her winning is winning. It yeah. doesn't matter.
0: Well, see, she she's not a real racer. That's the problem. Oh, dear God. She just thinks she's a racer, but not a real racer.
2: I'm not coming back for those movies. You're not coming.
0: <laughs> oh, what? There, there will be. We have we have some people in mind who are coming back for who are going to come on for the the Fast and Furious
1: podcast. Yeah, we? because it's 20 years this year from the first one.
0: You can put in your applications now with us. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to do our next category. This is my favorite category when we do our retro reviews, and this is the reboot recast. We are going to recast this film with modern day people and see who we get in each of these roles. I'm really excited about this. I have a couple that I'm really pumped about. Now, to be fair with my list, I did age them up a little bit. In like Heath Ledger was 22 in this, I I could not go that young. I can't. It's very difficult for me to find people that young and, and trying to break through. So a lot of mine are established actors. So I, I didn't go that, that young. So I just, that's a full disclaimer. Did you guys do the same thing, age up a little bit minor? I think most of my people are in their thirties.
1: I think most of my people are either late twenties or early thirties.
2: I originally tried and I was doing a pretty good job with like early to mid twenties where appropriate. Uh, but ultimately I swayed away from that. I, Mine are all a little bit older than they would have been in the original.
0: Yeah. My problem is I couldn't put Zendaya in every single role. So,
1: <laughs>
0: girl's killing it. Yeah. To I be know. fair,
1: I, th- I wasn't thinking about age. I'm like, just who I think fits the character. All right.
0: So, we have, we have the, we have what, six cat, six characters here. We have mm-hmm. William Thatcher, Jocelyn, Count Adamir, Jeffrey Chaucer, Watt, and Roland. Those are the people that we recast so far. Um, so, let's see who you got. So, who do you have for William Thatcher? our lead in this movie i have nicholas holt
2: shut up so do i That's
0: no way
2: hilarious. yes down
0: way to yes. go
2: <laughs>
1: yes yes i mean come on after seeing even the great yeah. he needs to yeah. do this
2: so yep. he was my first choice um he was my first choice i had a, a decent sized list but ultimately you're right like i think that he can play. He plays attractive. I mean, he is attractive. He can be funny, but he yep. can also be serious. Like I think that he has the right amount of range to be able to play this part.
1: Yes. This part screens his name.
2: Mm-hmm. I have? had
0: I had one of two people, but I had I ended up going with Sam Claflin.
2: Oh, I do love Sam Claflin.
0: Oh, That's good. who I went with. I yeah. think he's I think he's attractive enough. Mm-hmm. I think he's pretty talented. And I, I think he has the physicality to do it as well. It's yeah. funny, I was originally I was I was actually also gonna go with Liam Hemsworth.
2: He was on my list too, he, but I crossed him out. He's on my short list. Just mm-hmm. also
0: to fill in the other Australian uh, thing there. Because he's also <laughs> Australian.
2: Yeah. Gabe, you would appreciate this. I considered Asa Butterfield for a second. Oh. Because I was thinking about James Purefoy, you know, being mm-hmm. the original. And I was like, oh, like, plays his dad. But I did not
0: i considered him and then i immediately dismissed him
2: yeah he's a little to too fair. scrawny he's,
1: that's what i say he's like he'll yeah. get jousted and he'll just fly off the stadium
0: <laughs> that's exactly it just shatter
1: <laughs> he'll break like a spaghetti joust just <laughs> <laughs>
0: explode he'll, he'll still be on the jousting stick He'll, he'll just be like skewered that's what it'll be Poor that's a, a very different movie sorry <laughs> yep all right who do we have for jocelyn who did you guys go with this category
2: So after choosing Nicholas Holt, I had to find somebody who was going to look good standing next to him. So I went with Lily James. Oh,
1: okay. That's a good one.
2: Yeah. That's
1: a good one. I went with Billy Lord. Mm. Carrie Fisher's daughter. I think she's she's grown into her own as an actress. And I think this is the kind of movie that I think she does really well in. Um, And she's played this kind of character in the American horror franchise. So I can see her playing this. Uh, really well um, so yeah I went with Billy Lord
2: yeah. oh I,
0: I went with pulling out all the stops and getting the, the stars I went with Ana de Armas in this I think she oh, would be fantastic oh my god I think she would be really really good Yeah. also because I'm thinking if she's going to wear those outfits that she wears in this movie which by the way we need to talk about the outfits that Jocelyn yeah. wears what do you guys think about those outfits
2: absurd they're straight yep. up absurd
0: yep. that is ridiculous that is, I loved them. I don't know why. You guys, you guys are you guys are hilarious. I loved them. I thought you got you guys called them ridiculous. I loved it. I thought it was really fascinating. I don't know why. I just was really enthralled with them. They were captivating.
2: For me, if you're gonna play someone in that era, you have the opportunity to go with some really beautiful, quality, and accurate costuming, and they just drop the ball on it. Well, because we her... don't we don't
0: know what the accuracy is for that time period. You yeah, don't we do. know. We don't know what they wore. They didn't have pictures
2: they have tapestries and they have she's yeah, wearing no, tapestries that's what she's there's wearing proof. no <laughs> they could have done better they could have done better the stuff she wore honestly could have been on a freaking runway in the early 2000s in the late 90s mm-hmm.
0: or at jousting tournaments in the 1370s mm, no <laughs> anyway i think anna de armis would have crushed it in that i think she would have brought a different level of comedy and to that film, I think she's she's fantastic. There could have been actual drama and actually someone who can deliver lines correctly. I think she would have been able to do it very, very well.
2: Yeah. So far, I want to go with our casting of Nicholas Holt and your casting of Anna De Armas.
0: Yeah, that works.
2: All right, let's let's get this film made.
0: Next, we got uh our, our villain here. So who's playing Count Adamar?
1: I went a little older, just like an established knight. Um, and I love him. I think he's so good. I went with Walton Goggins. I think he would fall into this movie really well. I think he plays bad, crazy comedy drama all Ew. together. And I think oh. he would be, he would be the perfect guy that you want to root against.
0: Yeah. He looks exactly like
1: someone yeah. you would root
2: against. Yeah. Um, he's like, for me, he's a, that guy, I didn't know his name, but then I Googled him and Oh, ew. <laughs> so for me. Okay. I still, I, I found Rufus Sewell still on like the correct side of attractive. So I tried mm-hmm. to go in that vein, but I want even more attractive. And I picked uh, Mac- Max Minghella.
1: Oh, okay. Ooh. Yeah.
2: Hmm. Right. Because we know that hmm. you can play someone who's pretty cutthroat right from the social network and I just think he's pretty and I think he could play, he's 35, right? So he is a little bit older than the other actors and actresses that we would have chosen. Yeah. And he still fits that like dark curly haired aesthetic.
0: See, I went with someone who is just straight up attractive and I went with Theo James.
2: <gasps> I think Theo oh, okay. James has
0: in him a villain performance, a really good villain's oh, performance yeah. because I think one of the things about count Adamar is he's, he's attractive. He wins because he's powerful and he can win. He's he's a good knight. Um, now he's also a terrible person at the same time, but you know, he does have the qualities that make that he looks like a knight right from the get-go. And he he has he can have some deeper layers to him that he can play an asshole. And I mm-hmm. think that I think Theo James can do that. I don't think he's been forced there yet, but I think he has the potential to do it.
1: Okay. That's fair. Yeah.
0: I'm really, really excited about my Jeffrey Chaucer pick, but I want to hear who you guys had for Jeffrey Chaucer.
2: I went with Dev Patel. I love Dev Patel, and I tried to find a place for him. And like what we were talking about earlier, if we're remaking this in 2021, we're looking for inclusivity, and we're looking for just more representation. And Dev Patel is so incredibly talented. I think that he could deliver the lines that Chaucer delivers within this film.
1: I went with somebody who I love from Hamilton and mm-hmm. I think he could deliver lines as well and it's David Diggs.
2: Yes. <laughs> I thought about him too.
1: There you I, go. I think David Diggs as Chaucer would be so hilarious. He kills it in Hamilton. He's not one of the standouts in Hamilton, um, especially in that second act, so I think he could definitely pull Chaucer off really yeah. well. Really yeah. really well.
2: Oh, I wanted to th- I re- I did think about him as well, but I wanted to stick with British actors mm. which is why he didn't make my cut but oh, great choice but
0: so Steve. when I went with this I was really excited about this but I went with Robert Sheehan
2: oh my which I, god
0: if you don't know from
2: from Umbrella Academy from, yeah
0: I Hell yeah I think of that character that he plays in the Umbrella Academy <gasps> and <laughs> then I think of him as Chaucer and I'm yeah. like this is is oh my brilliant God. i think just if he's just playing a wasted chaucer throughout this entire thing perfect mm-hmm. i i think it's so good i think yeah. i think he's a lot he's he's so good on, on the umbrella academy but then so bad in a couple of other things that he's been in That i i think he really needs this to do well and mm-hmm. i think he would just be an absolutely incredible chaucer oh, standing up and standing up on the on the the centerpiece just walking around yelling at everybody with brilliant poetry mm-hmm. i think it's perfect you know yeah. he seems like the person who would lose all of his clothes in a gambling problem
2: <laughs> oh i love it that's a great I, that's a good
0: one I really love that one
2: yeah oh you win
0: my, now my choice for what i'll i'll just tell you what mine is for for what to start i i had to go with the uh, another ginger because i just couldn't i, I Didn't want to lose the ginger representation we have in movies because there's not many of us out there so i went with rupert grint for that i think he hasn't been in a lot of movies recently Mm -hmm. so i think he could come back and also just start to fight people because i I think you just need someone who can just punch people in the face randomly so i think rupert grinton could be really great in that so i just went with that who'd you go with gabe
1: i went with somebody who likes playing dorky and he loves playing this he's just goofy and likes playing this type of character and it's Taron Egerton. I think Taron Egerton oh, in this role nice. would be ah, really, go. really good. Yeah. So I went with Taryn.
2: Yeah, he's scrappy. Yep. Like, he's definitely scrappy. I like it. That's mm-hmm. a really good choice. Um. So, my choice for Watt, uh, goes along with you know the things that we've been talking about throughout this pod, right? We need more representation, and so for Watt, might have to change their name because I picked Maisie Williams. Oh right! so we just saw her in two weeks to live that new hbo series and she was fantastic um and we've seen her in other things outside of game of thrones Mm -hmm. and i think that she could be funny i think that she could have a root fuse um and i want to see her in this movie
0: i think in two weeks to live she's a really great character and exactly what you said she's feisty and wants to punch people in the face uh now i don't you said you need to change his name I mean, you just, you just, I don't understand why it's Watt. Watt isn't a name. That, that's I, that's that's like a know. word. So like Watt doesn't matter. It doesn't have to change the name at all. I think. <laughs> I think that's a really good choice, actually. I didn't even think about Maisie, Rob. Uh, that I is think a good one. He's really, really good, especially in Two Weeks so If you haven't seen that, yeah, I would check that out. I think it's good. That's on HBO Max. I think that's that's yep. one of the originals. Our last character here is Roland. Who did you guys have for Roland?
1: I went with Seth Rogan
2: Oh, oh god. my god.
1: I think Seth Rogen has roll in with just kidding. and I still have it recently after watching American Pickle a few weeks ago so he's still fresh in my yeah. in my mind, but I think Seth Rogen would be hilarious. He would add he would add the extra layer of almost borderline ridiculous, but I know he could pull it down without making the movie suffer and that's why I went with him.
2: Mm, that's a great choice. Um I Went with another Game of Thrones alum. I picked John Bradley, so the guy who played oh, Samuel Tarly. Yep. You know, because be we one. talk about we talk about Roland as being super steadfast, like there through it all, really loyal, jack of all trades. So yeah, you got to go with John Bradley.
0: No, I'm interested to hear what Seth Rogan's British accent sounds like, because <laughs> I bet it's horrible.
1: And it'd be great for it. If it's horrible, I would love it.
0: I went with, I, I went with, I went with Kingsley Benadier. Mm, I, I like mm. Kingsley Benadier quite a lot. I think he's been in a couple of interesting movies recently. Uh, I think this might be a little bit too jokey for him right now, but uh, he's, he's really good. I think he's really talented and I think he could play this. It would take, it would take the, the character in a slightly different direction, but I really do think that he could be really good in this, and I, I would love to see him in a movie like this. Yeah, and also I, I just he, want to put him in more movies. I just like him mm. a
2: lot. I think he's already he's proven himself for a film that would take place in this time period, being in King Arthur.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he exactly. Was
0: in
2: that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. He does a he has quite a range. No, yeah. you know he did. He's done King Arthur. He's done One Night in Miami. He did Noël. So which oh,
2: is like, a great film. You know,
0: it's he's got he's got a range. So I would love to see him in this. I think this would ultimately make a really good movie.
2: Yeah.
0: I don't know. Yeah. I, Somebody pitch it. You talk about, you know, if this came out today, if you took, if you, this came out today and you had Nicholas Holt, Ana de Armas. Um,
2: I want Max Minghella in there.
0: Okay. You have Dev Patel starring in it as well. You know, you just keep building this out with maybe even putting in uh, Maisie Williams in it. And then say you get someone like Kingsley Benadir or Seth Rogen. That's this could be a, a really good film.
1: movie. That's a good movie. Yeah. That is a very good movie.
0: But because we don't have that and we never really got it, what would the sequel be like? This is a new category I'm coming up with for our retro reviews, if we can. What's what's the sequel to A Knight's Tale? What's A Knight's Tale 2?
2: All right. So my thoughts. In the first one, we have a poor, right? A peasant who's trying to become a knight. The next step is a woman trying to be a knight.
0: So you're talking about a complete, like, redo
2: yeah it's so the next doing, story doing, no it's the next story
0: so is it like a knight's tale colon and then another movie yeah oh
2: but like why can't we take the same formula right it's a sequel theoretically
0: sure you're just expanding the universe and making I'm a expanding the tale universe. Interfer-
2: yeah why can't women be knights
0: sure I hey, mean, it's did, like
2: the pre-first wave feminism.
0: Did you have a, Did you have an idea of like what the sequel would be?
2: I
1: went more basic uh, and just a knight from another land came in and like they're like it, I I thought of Frozen and the thirteen <laughs> brothers wanting to conquer Elsa's land that kind of thing and they have this huge tournament like for land and just it's not it's going to end up in this big war between lands or something. I just thought of that.
0: So like them coming in, like a new knight coming in and challenging him is what you're saying? Mm -hmm. So I had, I had a whole story plotted out for this. It's actually kind of interesting. So obviously in the end of the movie, he becomes a knight, right? William becomes an actual knight because Sir Edward suddenly just like lied about it and made him a knight. Sorry, Prince Edward made him a knight, just lies about it, by the way. He just totally makes this up. There's no ancient bloodline that's all the way in the past he makes it up okay so he's already pulling favors pulling strings for william william has no money okay so knights usually have money they have armor he has no money because all he has to do is compete in these tournaments and now that he's a legitimate knight he has to go fight in the hundred years war all right he's betrothed to jocelyn who has like, who I guess from money. she comes from money. She's got a kingdom somewhere in France, I'm assuming, because that's where they meet in the first place. So he's betrothed to Jocelyn, but then is thrown into the Hundred Years' War, which is going on at the time. So he's now thrown out there, but he has a couple of strings. He's really close with Prince Edward. Um, but then Prince Edward dies suddenly, and the new mm-hmm. king, uh, well, the, the the new heir is Prince Edward's son, Richard II. He ascends to the throne at the age of 10, by the way. That's just historically accurate doesn't like the fact that his father showed so much promise in this young Prince, this Sir William guy, this like poor person, because also at the, one of the first crises that Richard, the faces is also a peasant uprising. So he hates peasants. So what does he do? He takes, he takes Sir William Thatcher, throws him in the front line. And now he's fighting. He's now forced to fight on the front line with all these other knights who have been fighting for years and years and years and have fought to maintain their, their standard and their, you know, their idea of who they are and be these, these types of people. So now he has to prove himself again as an underdog fighting in the front lines away from Jocelyn, away from all these other people, which is good because now you can just write out that character because like she's not that well written anyway. But you get to take his whole posse with him. You could take most of his posse at least. You could take Kate, you could take Roland, you can take Watt. Chaucer is probably back in England writing the Canterbury Tales at this time. So he's out of this too. Sorry to Paul Bettany. But that's that's basically what you have. And now you have, ultimately, you have a very different movie where now Sir William is trying to fight for his own life in the trenches of France, of Southern France against, I guess, the Spanish. I don't know who he's fighting at this time. Probably <laughs> probably them or the the papal kingdoms of, of Italy or something. I don't know.
2: Yeah, you know, straight up, he <laughs> William's going to say, I did not sign up for this. I'm just in it for the money and the entertainment and the girls. And he runs off to Gelderland and tries to be Sir Ulrich von Lichtenstein yeah. in Gelderland, and he, assumes that identity because <laughs> there.
0: But then he shows up. But he, then he shows up in Gelderland, and they're like, "Who is this British who is guy this here?" <laughs> I
2: mean, he's Sir, people once, Sir
0: Ulrich of Lichtenstein. What, you're not Sir Ulrich von Lichtenstein. That's the guy who died a hundred years ago. We have all we have his whole set of rules a on legitimate
2: great grandson. Once, <laughs> what's his?
0: Yeah, I don't think that really works out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Definitely doesn't work out for him.
0: I don't know. I think that'd be a fun movie. I've watched that sequel.
1: That'd be a fun sequel.
2: Yeah, I'd give it a shot.
0: Yeah, or you could just make it super fun and light, like where he just like hosts tournaments. I don't know. Or he's like he raising- trains
2: the next generation of peasants. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, or he just has like
0: a daughter, and maybe his daughter is going to be the one that's going to break into jousting. There we go. There it is. There it is. That's boring though. I like mine better. Women
2: (laughs) rising up, Uh, women being considered equals.
0: I like the one. (laughs) I like the story when he's just wanting to be a knight so that he can joust, and then instead doesn't realize that there's a lot of other responsibilities of being a knight. Mm -hmm. And is thrown into the war. So I think that's a little bit. That's That's a a good one. It's a totally. We change the complete genres. It would go from being a a rom com to being like this war epic war
1: movie. (laughs) you're like from rom-com we're going back to braveheart
0: (laughs) much darker maybe he gets thrown into like one of the final 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 crusades or something like that i don't know is there one at that time i don't even remember the final crusades didn't really actually do anything they were like fighting in like turkey or something like that Mm. the more you know the more you know any other lingering questions thoughts about this movie
1: I really enjoyed going back to it after 16 years without seeing it. I think it's fun. I think it's very refreshing when it comes to genre mix and 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 genre bending. Um and it's also nice to rewatch Heath Ledger's movies. Um and always like Darn, we lost him way too early. I think it's a good movie. I think it's a really good movie. Um, like everything, every time we do a retro review or when we talk about older movies, you know, there are things that it's not going to be 100% will receive. It hasn't aged completely 100%. And that's fine. Because remember, movies are a reflection of their time. But I think it's a fun and actually a good movie. Way, way better than what I remembered from the first time I saw it. So really happy that I went back and saw it again.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think... You know, thinking back to rom-coms or just comedies in general that came out in the early two thousands, I can't say that there are many that I can watch without cringing. But this one ages really, really well, and I and I have to argue that's probably because of Heath Ledger. He carries this movie beautifully, and it's just really nice to see him alive and well and thriving in that film.
0: It is important to remember that he was 22 when this came out. That's that was the incredible thing in in rewatching it and seeing his performance. He was really great. I think it's it's aged pretty well. It's on cable all the time. So Mm -hmm. you can check it out. I think it's actually on Hulu. And I didn't know that until like this morning (laughs) or maybe it just Mm -hmm. went on Hulu. I don't know. But you could certainly check it out on on your cable. If you have cable, rent a DVD. If you remember what DVDs are, check it out somewhere. It's a fantastic movie. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Kayla, for coming on and talking to us about this. We will be back next week. Thank you guys. See you later.
2: See you next time. Bye.
0: Bye.